0: Hello and welcome to This is Cannabis from X-Ray FM, the show that takes an insider look at the Oregon cannabis scene. I'm your host, Lee Henderson, co-founder of Portland Craft Cannabis Company, Hi-Fi Farms. And I'm alone in the studio today because my beloved co-host, Emma Chason, uh, had to call in sick this morning. And um, which was such a bummer because I was really, really looking for I I am really looking forward to um, our interview today with our guests. We are going to be discussing um, sort of creative design and branding and how how the Oregon cannabis market sort of started out, what what it looked like um, and and then where we kind of are now. And and where we think it's going to go, um, and also you know how those how those branding and creative and art direction sort of choices uh, um, sort of inform not only consumer experience but but how that they may or may not have you know break down the stigmatization of of cannabis um, that was sort of you know largely uh, held in society um, and continues to be held I think by society, so. That's our, our topic today, and also we're, then we're going to do a fun um, second segment on sort of just uh, uh, cannabis and creativity. So again, I'm very sad that Emma isn't here to take part in that discussion because um, you know we were talking even as uh, last night about how uh, what we were gonna you know how excited we were for this discussion. We woke up this morning and she said, you know what, I've lost my voice. I feel terrible. I can't come in. So uh, I'm going to dedicate this this episode to Emma. Uh, because uh, I'm really bummed that she's not here and so we are gonna go now to that conversation our guests today are Maria Betts the founder of potency an agency specializing in branding and packaging design for the cannabis industry and Kirk Evans co-founder and creative director of Sherpa an agency specializing in web design development and SEO welcome to the show both of you guys thanks for having here. us hello um, it's great to have you guys here. Thank you very much. Yeah. Welcome no, to x FM and this, this is Cannabis. Um, so first off, I'd like to ask you both to tell us a little bit about yourselves and how you came to the industry. Mariah, can I ask you to start?
1: Yeah, of course. So um, I've been working in the creative and in- agency uh, industry for a while. Um, you know, I was working before uh, in the non-cannabis space with retail, food and beverage, mm-hmm. um, healthcare, things like that. Uh, I got approached to do a build out for a retail dispensary. Um, it was a medical retail dispensary. Um, this was in early 2014. Okay. Um, and from there just finished that project. So many different canvas businesses were coming to me. Um, I decided to leave the agency that I was at. I founded potency, Mm -hmm. um, and been really busy ever since.
0: That's great. Who were some of the brands or the companies that you've worked with, if you're at liberty to say?
1: Oh, yeah, of course. Um, You know, I started working with a company called Stem Holdings. They're a bigger investment group. Yep. Um, But from there, you know, we've worked with Select. We've worked with C-Cell. So many different amazing um, organ cannabis businesses. So, um, you know, Tree Star Retail Dispensary, um, Jefferson State Farms, TJ's Gardens, Yerba Buena. I believe, um, Good company. Some really
0: good. I mean, TJ's, Yerba. you yeah, know, Select amazing. is, a, is a, you know dominates our industry in so many ways. So yeah. and so you branded Select.
1: We did. We did their rebrand. So <clears throat> okay, um, got it. Yeah.
0: Okay, wonderful. I'm just uh, trying to establish your bona fides for our for our crowd. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Oh, what
2: about you, sir, Kirk? Love that word, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> bona fides. Word. Yeah. Yeah. Big um. So. Me and my partner started our agency in 2015. Uh, we both quit our jobs. I was working at the Portland Art Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, my partner was working for an SEO firm in Vancouver, Washington. Can
0: you, I'm sorry, can you explain what SEO is for our audience?
2: <laughs> sure. So, SEO is um, short for Search Engine Optimization, Right. and it's essentially building a website to run fast, be lean, and rank high on Google. Google rankings. Uh, ultimately. Yeah. Um, so we started this agency, and much like Moria, we, we were approached by a local um, dispensary that was right as medical was turning into recreational right. um, to build them a website. And that turned into a lot of other creative work for them, and um, it just sort of snowballed from there. Um, so, uh, I'll also mention some of our, the people that we work with, Please. uh, pharma is an SEO client of ours, uh, locally urban pharmacy, um, the new Amsterdam cannibalists and co. Um, and then we also work with retailers in other States, um, a lot of CBD brands and ancillary companies, light, mm-hmm. you know, lighting, light firm or law firms, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, and other just. Businesses in the industry. Um, so we just started focusing on that because um, it's something we believe in. And and obviously, it's a brand new space. So,
0: yeah. I mean, and right off the bat, you know, it's interesting to me to think about how we're all, you know, we all roughly kind of got our start in the cannabis industry around the same time, 2014, mm-hmm. which wasn't that long ago, yep. but makes us utter and experts. It's, it you know, so we're so like forever. old <laughs> wise men and women, you know, we're the it's old great. graybeards. <laughs> And uh, and that's you know, and especially in y'all's cases because so many let's say civilian companies uh, Wouldn't work with cannabis businesses mm-hmm. back then and yeah. and that's starting to change, right?
2: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would say that um, A lot of at least creative companies have have kind of kept cannabis at an arm's length. Yeah at this point Um but I, I think as uh, as that changes on a on a national level, we're going to see a lot bigger um, design firms that are, that are going to start coming into cannabis.
0: Yeah, um, but it's and this is this is pun intended. But we have you guys have really uh, earned your domain expertise. <laughs> all right, sorry. Um, all right, so let's talk about the particular importance uh, we all think about branding uh, and design. In the cannabis industry given its historical legacy and the relative immaturity of you know the national industry um there's obviously been such a stigma around cannabis use let alone cannabis production and sales for you know basically the last century if not longer and suddenly in the last few years that has all changed um and i think it would be instructive for us to talk about firstly uh, our impressions of where things were when the legal market opened up here uh, and then we can take the conversation wherever it's going to go. But, you know, when, when the, you know, in, in, in 20, again, let's just say 2014 sure. is the start date. Um, Hi-Fi Farms, when it was started, I, I really felt like we we felt like, at least at the time, one of the first real brands, you know. Definitely. Um, and and I don't, I when I say that, I want to be very careful and not... Um, you know, because uh, uh, I'm sure there were a lot of companies that I didn't know about back then. But we, you know, we sort of established ourselves with with the brand sort of in mind, rather mm-hmm. than rather than being sort of a uh, a faceless company that grew grew weed. You right. know, so um, and I think that helped us a lot early on, frankly. You know what I mean? Uh, that people could sort of latch on to the idea of whatever we were, and now whatever we are. And so, um, yeah. But I mean, in, in 2014. They're really like it the the industry was beginning to tape shape in a, in a in a meaningful way Right. What what were y'all's impressions of of companies back then? From again from a like, design branding creative for you know customer facing forward-facing
2: way? Y- Yeah, I'll answer this real very shortly and then have Moria take a crack at it sure. I'm sure she has a different perspective, but um, I think it was you know, there was so much of this Wild West mentality and um I know that from from my perspective, good branding and design takes time. It it's not something that you can just spit out into the world in, you know, a day. It it really takes time and forethought. And um I think what you know, what I what I notice is that the the old stereotypes of, you know, the tie dyes and the bubble fonts right. and Bob Marley <laughs> yeah, and Bob Marley yeah. and, and that sort of thing. Cheech and <clears throat> Um, when recreational marijuana happened in Oregon, at least, uh, there was still a lot of that coming through in design. Uh, there was still a lot of brands that were coming, you know, there's 160 dispensaries in, in Portland right now. And probably 80% of them have a green cross and, you know, an aerial font or something, you know, there's not, there's not, uh, there wasn't a lot of attention put into branding and design. Um. What I think we're seeing now is that uh, company owners are more uh, cognizant of the fact that uh, especially in urban areas uh, the demographics of, of cannabis users is not you know the tight-eyed wearing backwoods type right. person it's it's somebody that uh, cares about design and, and cares about an exper- a brand experience so um, I think that it's changed. It's started to to shift over the last few years. Certainly, thankfully, um, I, th- I still think we have a long way to go. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll yeah. get there, but yeah, please. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think just the medical market in general. I think you think about cultivation and you know underground growing. Um, people didn't have time to spend on their brands. Right. I think a lot of people are focused on getting that product to market, um, and I don't think that branding or some of this business strategy was really in place because really you're just thinking about how can you operate your business in this gray area um so i think like kirk said a lot of um just going back to stereotypes of cannabis users and thinking that that was your only audience um was definitely what was out there in the market at the time and i think that that's still something that you know as we'll get into um, that we see yeah i mean
0: yeah, I mean, it's, I, yeah, my my thoughts on it are that it was a really a question of you know first of all capitalization, and then second of all kind of bandwidth and skill set, right? I mean, Definitely. design and 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 branding is its own thing in the same way, frankly, that agricultural you know prowess is is, your is its own thing yeah yeah. yeah. you know and and if you can do both that's a pretty amazing kind of polymathic you know but you can't diagram (laughs) to be in the middle of And but most people can i can't i i don't know how to grow wheat i mean i know i know functionally how to you know do it but i don't understand the nuances of it whatsoever still um so yeah i mean and then and then the other thing that i think is important to sort of note is just as far as like getting sort of the timeline on the record is that you know, in 2014 or whatever, I mean, there really were, I think it was, what was it, HB4560 4, that passed the, that sort of, you know, at least uh, brought uh, dis- medical dispensaries sort of out of the closet, let's say. Right. Um, but a lot of these these uh, medical dispensaries at the time, I mean, they, they were purposefully sort of... Um, invisible they were meant to be sort of exactly uh, yeah and i don't want to say they i mean a lot of them were sketchy looking <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> they looked I mean, yeah. like uh check cashing places you know what i mean uh, but some of them were uh, and <laughs> yeah. some yeah, yeah right i mean it's and i don't I, you know i i hope to not criticize too too much here if, you know because um
1: there's so much that's gone into you know the history of cannabis right
0: right 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 and um and but but i mean i think but i think it did but i guess my point i'm trying to make is like that that sort of check cashing it looks like a check cashing place did do a disservice early on i think to the broader kind of destigmatization efforts you know because i mean my my wife who's a lovely person wouldn't go into those places she was just like, no i'm not gonna do that you know so that's that's i feel like a little bit of of where we were now where are we now you know, as far as, um, as far as the look and feel, you know, of a, a forward-facing cannabis company. What would, what, what's your yeah? I
1: mean, I think you know, in today's market, there's actually luxury canvas brands like that's never existed before. There's stores um, like Sarah that look like Apple stores or things like right. that. I mean, we've come pretty far. Um, I still talk to, you know, people in new states that have, you know, newly legalized cannabis and they're still looking for, you know, the green weed leaf on their thing. So we still have a ways to go. But I think that some of these bigger brands are definitely making huge strides for destigmatizing cannabis and opening up to new audiences. Um, so I think that, you know, we're in a much better place. Yeah.
2: yeah. And I would say, uh, you know, as I mentioned, it it is changing. Um and that's really the only way to compete anymore right um, it's such every market is saturated i mean oklahoma which just opened up which so many licenses Dude, I'm Oklahoma's. unlimited licenses and, and i'm from oklahoma you are oh, we, i didn't know that yeah we've okay. been we've been getting calls almost yeah. daily from oklahoma because the you know the barriers to entry were really low but what i'm seeing is much like what i'm sure she saw in 2014 and what i saw in 2015 and 2016 which is that uh they're not thinking about, what is this brand going, how is it going to be interpreted by the customer? If there's 100 dispensaries in Oklahoma City, how are we gonna separate ourselves? Um, so I still think that there is a ways to go. Um, and as each new state opens up, it seems like that process just starts over. Um, especially in the, the center of the country, I think maybe on the West Coast, we're a little bit more forward thinking in urban right, areas right, when right, right. it comes to design. But um, yeah, it, it's just a it's a constant uphill battle. And um, the brands that that did take the time are succeeding, and they're they're going to succeed in in the future. So do you agree with that? or yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, I think it's interesting, right, because we we talk so much about the recreational market because you know we're on the west Coast, but I think we also have to look at like we work with a bunch of East Coast medical markets as well. So okay,
0: so what's that like?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting just because there are so many regulations as to what you can and can't do so. A lot of those weed leaves have gone away just because they can't. It looks very pharmaceutical. Um, and it's interesting because I think a lot of the regulators in some of those states don't actually have a good grasp on cannabis culture. Oh, you
0: don't say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. had
1: some very uncomfortable phone calls uh, with just making, you know, stoner jokes and things like that and not realizing that this can be a medicine for patients. Mm-hmm. Um but, yeah, I mean, there's opaque packaging. Um, you can still have a brand, but, you know, everything has to be very locked down and childproof. Um, I mean, In
0: places like, what, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania. Vermont? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, we're not like Canada's market, right, where you can't have anything right. on the packaging. Right. So there are, is opportunity for branding, but um, it's, it's a little bit more limited.
0: So f- let me think about this. Um, I have a couple questions for you guys, um, you know, to... Uh, to push back on your your last point a little bit, Kirk, um, as far as if we're talking about competition in the retail environment, um, you know there are there are highly uh, branded retail outlets and there are less branded retail outlets. I guess my question is, you know, if a lot of the data that I have seen over the years has sort of said that dispensaries, for you know, at least there's a there's a certain segment of the market population that that sees dispensaries as uh, kind of on par with liquor stores or even kind of gyms, you know, where it's like, this is my neighborhood one. This is the one I go to. I'm not going to make a special trip to go to Sarah uh, because this other one, one of the check cashing ones is down the street from my house and that's just more convenient. You know what I mean? So do you, do you, what do you think about that? Do you agree with that? You know, like uh, I think it's probably 60, 40, you know?
2: Yeah, I think you're probably right on that um, because, it's so saturated. I mean, I'm just gonna. I am just gonna use Portland as a reference because yeah, yeah, I know course. I know this market you know better than I know any other market. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think to some degree, some people just don't care. They they're gonna go down the street. They don't care if if there's a, an experience for them. They just want to go buy the cheapest weed that they can find. Um, right. But I think that you know the the customer and user experience of a retail environment is something that can't be understated. It's, it really is important to a business. And what I see is that the businesses that uh, maintain that kind of aesthetic – um, not only did they not have to drop their prices because they had the, the users that come to them that make that trip outside of their neighborhood to go to the Pharma's and the saras and the electric lettuces of the world, um, because they want that that experience. And so, yeah, I I, I guess that uh, from my perspective, those are the companies that are that are strong that are that are doing well.
0: I mean, I agree. You know, uh, I just am. You know, I mean, just seeing what I see in the marketplace, I see a lot of heavily, you know, when I say heavily branded, I don't mean that pejoratively. I mean that as, you know, as, as a good yeah. thing, really. And uh, um, but, you know, at the same time, and I'll tell you in my own personal experience, I feel like sometimes I just I lay awake and not I lie awake at night and say, is anything I'm doing? Does it matter? You know what I mean? Like, you know, because there's so <laughs> many external forces that are going to drive. Uh, people's decision making when it comes to buy, you know purchasing cannabis and mm-hmm. and yada 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 right so I don't know what, do you have any thoughts on that like
1: yeah I mean I think that we
0: assuage st- me of my fears <laughs> that everything I've done in my life hasn't been for nothing you know what I mean
1: in term yeah I mean I think that I mean if we go back to like the retail experience I think we're still in the early stages and it's hard to think about that just because it seems like we're so established but I think that some of those neighborhood shops that maybe haven't thought about branding or the customers experience in their stores i mean i don't know that they'll always be successful i think that some of those branded um retail experiences are going to win out same with products i think that right
0: let's talk about products like you know yeah
1: of course um yeah i mean i think like you know hi-fi farms just launched those amazing pre-roll branded packages they definitely stand out on the shelves um i want to purchase that more than something that's maybe in a plastic tube in a plastic tube um, so I think that also just says a lot about your brand, and I think you want to build brand ambassadors in this industry. Like, why do people want to champion that that brand or that company? And I think the more that we give people to learn about the company, you know, their story, um, yeah. I think that's something that they can share with other people. And I think that bringing, yeah. go ahead, sorry.
2: Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, until. Until we view cannabis like we view any other market in the world, you know, what kind of clothes do you buy and why do you buy them? What right. kind of beer do you buy and why do you buy it? Yeah, or On craft the wine. Yeah, yeah or exactly. wine or anything. Um, until people start viewing it that way, you know, that that's the point we need to get to and we're not there. But the, again, yeah, the brands that, that are thinking like that are succeeding. So. Yeah, it's a question that Emma and
0: I talk about a lot, even sometimes on the show. Is is how to how to you know what what are ways you know that either that she and I or what are ways just generally that you can sort of inspire that spirit of connoisseurship. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Whether it's about the flower itself, it's not necessarily in a branded box, but or right. you know just something other than it's the cheapest weed for the highest potency number, right? I mean, there's <sighs> there's all you know that the market seems to be dominated by that sort of thinking right now. Um, for lots of reasons, you know, and again, that's kind of why I go back to sometimes like, why do I do anything, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, though I do think it works. I mean, I, you know, yeah. I, I, do think it's, I think it's incredibly important. why I do it, obviously. So let me ask you all this. Um, how do you feel like the changes that Portland is experiencing right now, uh, in terms of people moving into the city, um, et cetera, how is that affecting, um, you know, the look and feel of the cannabis industry here? Do you think?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, clearly, it's going to change things. It already has to some degree. I mean, I feel like
0: it has, but you yeah. guys are the experts.
2: No, it absolutely has. Um, you know, and a lot of the brands that we've already talked about, uh, they've already thought about that. I mean, the city is getting more expensive, which means that you're bringing in uh, generally people who are more educated. Um, they care more about design, brand, user experience, etc. Yeah. So, and you know, the same thing translates to um, just you know, it's it's not just the logo. It's not just the design of the dispensary. It's everything related to it. And um, clearly, uh, you know, it's not it's not slowing down anytime soon. So I think it's uh, we're going to see the brands that are already thriving continue to thrive as more affluent people move here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that Kurt said it pretty succinctly, um, just that, you know, obviously people are expecting, you know, more design, better design um, on their products and in their retail experiences. And they probably want to actually learn more. And it's not necessarily just going for that high THC, low price point product.
0: Right. Budget. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, sort of I mean,
0: thinking right. budget, budget shopping yeah, yeah. I and mean, I, 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 I don't mean it, again i don't no, mean no that no, as no. I mean, just I think just as a qualifier
1: definitely sure. so i think just there's going to be higher end products i mean there there already is obviously um and i think people are definitely going to be looking for product differentiation so you know what's new um what's a little bit different uh what can they share also they might be people that are kind of more new to the cannabis industry um if they're coming from states that weren't legalized.
0: As far as their cannabis consumers? Yeah. yeah. So, I
1: mean, are they looking for the low-dose products? Are they looking more towards edibles, right. more towards topicals, things like that?
0: Yeah, I mean, it really seems to me that there are... I've said this before, but I feel like there's um, there are two cannabis industries here, you know, uh, in as much as there are kind of two portlands you know what i mean there it's uh and it's even i would even qualify it somewhat as a class war you know um uh, as far as new cannabis businesses old cannabis businesses new portland old portland you Mm -hmm. know it seems to me that anything like east of 82nd street or you know north of killingsworth and um you know sort of west of i don't know what oh the west side is a different kind of beast but you know there's it's a different it's it's so it's so wildly different out there the demographics are different and certainly the retail environments are different. And, and you know, I guess I don't know that, that products are different places to places because everyone's trying to get their
2: product in everywhere all the time, you know? Yeah. I think that that's they probably are, though. I mean, the the dispensaries that are, you know, at war with each other for who can have the lowest cost, but they're not going to have the high-end products that, that a other classier dispensary is going to have. Uh, they just probably won't they might have edibles that are the same but uh, or you know select or whoever in as far as a vape um, right market but I I think in general select doesn't the flou- really count because they're everywhere, <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah totally uh, but I'm mean, not that's,
0: that's, that's not a criticism that's just sure. no no. that's everyone I my joke is that we're all little tiny cute kombucha companies and select is like coca-cola you know what I mean so <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: yeah um so I I mean I guess you know the flour, the the brands that already are uh, have established themselves as having better product, at least as and f- as far as flour goes, um, they're not necessarily going into these smaller shops that don't really care about design or, or the customer experience for yeah. that matter. So um, I think that the market is sort of sh- shaken out into two different things. And you're right, yeah, it's uh, two different two different towns, two different markets. Yeah.
0: All right. So, one thing we haven't talked about yet, um, which is, um, I feel like, super, super crucial actually to um, our industry, is the role that social media plays for cannabis companies, retail uh, producers, processors, less so, uh, and then, you know, influencers, um, let's say, and all of the rest of the social media. <clears throat> what, do you, what do you guys think about the, the role that social media plays today?
2: Uh, so obviously it's important, uh, especially because, you know, it's there's still a lot of gray areas in in, in markets that are new or, or up and coming. But, um, you know, from my point of view, while it's it's an important part of any company and it's an important thing, you know, in 2019, I almost said 2018.
0: Still writing uh, 2015 yeah. on all my checks. OK, <laughs> <so>. cool. <Yeah. laughs>
2: um, you know, I think I think that. It's important, but it's it's just brand awareness from my perspective. Yeah. It's not really a way to actually sell product or sell, you know, get somebody to come into your dispensary necessarily. Um, no online sales conversions from social media. No, no, because you you just you can't. You can't. Um, but you know, on the other side of that coin, uh, building you know, websites are. Can be huge uh, for businesses, especially now that there are online ordering and delivery um, vehicles that can be built into a website. So from my perspective, you know and maybe I'm a little biased because we build websites, but mm-hmm. but I think that that end of things is, that often gets neglected is something that's far more important than social media. Social media is brand awareness, pure and simple yeah. as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that social media and obviously web design are really important. I mean, as a cannabis company, you don't have as many opportunities for outreach as other industries do. So,
0: Yeah. And for those listening at home, um, you know, the the art industry is heavily regulated as far as advertising goes and heavily regulated as far as anything online goes and and print, too. I mean, and, and even the radio. I mean, there's FCC regulations that I know we have to follow. Um, that x-ray has to follow and, and, and all of that, you know what I mean? And, and, um, and social media has been this, it's just this omnipresent thing, at least for, for me, yeah. you know, for my job, um, we, we put a lot, I put a lot of time and effort into our
1: in- Instagram. I mean,
0: I hate it. Because I begrudgingly do I as it. well. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but I think just because there's not a lot of like consumer touch points, right? I mean, how as a brand do you reach consumers other than right. when they walk into the retail dispensary and look at your product or hear they about your product? Your, they
0: experience your brand on your Instagram. Account.
1: I mean, I think that's the only way for a lot of people to yeah. experience cannabis. And especially in unlegalized states, how can they follow along? So I think making sure that you have a robust social media presence paired with that website where you're actually. Telling people more and drawing people into your website. I think it's just kind of a tool to educate people. And-
2: yeah, they're both important. Um, and obviously social media is is the least common denominator. It's easy for somebody to go on Instagram and flip through your photos. And, you know, right. I like this, don't like that, et cetera. So
0: it's good and bad. I mean, like so, you know social media in general, I think is good and bad. Um, there's some great things about social media. And then there's some really, really terrible things about social media. But it, it is just such it's such a force in our business. Um, and then the last thing I kind of wanted to touch on about that is the fact that so many companies get their Instagram accounts shut down sort of overnight for no reason. There's no real recourse. We never have, fingers crossed. But, I mean, you know, uh, my friends at East Work Cultivars, they lost 15,000, 16,000 followers recently, got Just, their accounts shut down for n- reasons they can't discern. You yeah. know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and I, I think... Uh it's probably a, maybe potentially a competitor flagging them. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what we saw Ooh, a lot you of. Think
0: it's like sabotage. There's a lot of.
2: There's a lot of sabotage. Um, I've heard Dude. stories. You know, that's b- dirty between. That's cool, man. Yeah, I've I've heard from a various. A lot of influencers people.
1: have those problems.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Where they'll take each other out.
2: <laughs> yeah, influencer Damn. wars.
0: I guess. Ooh, that's some interesting, juicy kind of gossip.
2: Or maybe not gossip,
1: but... Yeah, I'm sure.
0: Say more about that.
2: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> come on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've just heard from various dispensary owners that have had, you know, had Instagram shut down, that they've had threats from other dispensary owners. And this was kind of back when, at the very beginning of recreational okay. cannabis in, in Oregon. But, That's um, like Roger Stone, Dirty <laughs> Trickster stuff. Yeah, I mean, hey, anybody could do it to anybody else. Mm. And you know, ultimately that's, I mean, that's really shady and terrible because we should all be in this together. But, uh, when you're competing for, for business, I guess all's fair. And
0: yeah. is it? <laughs> I, mean, but I think it goes I back get it. I mean, yeah. the cynical part of me says, of course it is, but you know, yeah. 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 don't get any ideas. I
1: mean, I, th- I think that goes back to your point though, Kirk, of it's really important to not just put yourself on social media, but also have a website. So yeah. what happens when you do get shut down? I mean, right. Do you have website? Do you have email newsletters? Is there other ways that you're reaching your customer base other than just relying on your Instagram account? Yeah, and
2: Instagram is a very – it reaches a very specific audience. You know, 50-year-old, you know, moms and grandmas aren't on Instagram looking at, you know, beautiful – They're sharing sharing fake news on Facebook. Exactly. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Um, so. Uh,
0: I will say uh, for those listening that do have company Instagram accounts or whatever Instagram accounts that you're constantly worried about being shut down there's a function inside your settings on Instagram where you can download all they will send you all your pictures back up your accounts back up your pictures yeah, that's great advice we, we do that every periodically um, because again the whole industry sort of lives in fear of just like you know, I mean, I saw it written. I've seen you see. I've been seeing written about more and more about how people with hundred thousand followers just lose them overnight for inexplicable reasons. And it's, I mean, I'd go out of my mind. I think I'd probably kill myself if that happened. You know,
1: just um, because of all the effort and yeah, work you yeah, put yeah, into man, it in hours. It's so
0: much effort. It's so much effort, especially to build a following. <laughs> we are. I think we're up to fifteen thousand followers on Instagram, and that was no mean feat, no small feat. You know, so
1: I mean, backup accounts or you know, making sure that yeah. you're. If you have an email newsletter, so I feel like you guys are probably in a better place where you actually have at least some of that customer data captured.
2: <laughs> but Sounds so. terrible. You, you don't want that happening to your, your business. I really don't.
0: All right, so I have one last question before we go to a break. We've been talking about where the market um, kind of started. We've been talking about where the market, where we think it is now. Where do we think it's going? And specifically, where do we think it's going and what would you guys specifically like to see?
2: Well, uh, I mean, clearly we're moving towards national legalization uh, probably in the next five years. And, uh, you know, design or branding aside, I think my perspective on it is it's going to open up the floodgates to some great things and the whole public and the whole country Having a little bit better understanding about what cannabis is and and how it is you know a healing thing for a lot of people, um, but it's you know it also could potentially open it up to lots of bad things and way more competition. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to be an interesting thing to see uh, what kind of big money comes into it. Uh, I think, yeah. and uh, really, it, you know, design and branding will be part of that too because. If you're in Bev and you in can invest in a giant or Monsanto or whoever, and you can invest in a lot, you have a billion dollars or billions of dollars that you can put that money behind making yeah. an excellent brand. So, um, yeah, it's it's going to change a lot, but I'm just thankful that we got in. Me and Moria here, t- team. Uh, my teammate here. Um, Establishing got, yeah. in that yeah. domain expertise.
0: Sorry. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. To beat that joke <laughs> into the ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about you? I mean, yeah, where, I where mean, do you I see th- things going?
1: I mean, I think Kirk touched on a really good point is that, I mean, the market is getting bigger and more big money is coming into it. So, I mean, we've already started to see a lot of consolidation happen. So, there are some really big players with really great brands, but I think there's still a place for smaller boutique cannabis companies as long as they're telling a great story and their brand's really authentic to you know what they're cultivating or what they're making and adding into the cannabis industry so i think just making sure that people are really thinking about how they're authentic how they're different than other cannabis brands um i think just telling better stories is going to be really important in the future
0: yeah i mean as far as as far as you know going back a step to the when i just just as i'm thinking about this as far as the the sort of the mission of destigmatization you know um when i think about like how we started out you know um and when i think about sort of the the role that that creative design and branding can like bring to destigmatization for the general public um you know we we attached ourselves to music uh early on uh, cuz it, it was my sort of my theory that you know, as as cannabis brands were starting to emerge and as this as legalization was starting to happen, like, people's eyes are going to need to adjust to the idea of a legal cannabis market. And I, it was my idea that if you could sort of adjust, you know, on, if you could sort of make, you know, so mental associations with, with the, you know, kind of relatively abstract con- concepts like music or, you know, Bob Dylan, you know what I mean, or the Rolling Stones or whatever, um, that that would help sort of people, that would sort of maybe hold their hand a little bit and walk them into the
2: mm-hmm.
0: into the room or into the whatever in this torture metaphor you know what i mean <laughs> and i think like oregon also did a great job let's say as far as like they attached themselves to like i don't know if it's called extreme sports but things like yeah, snowboarding definitely. and all that stuff and it's like that was that that made that also made very much make sense to me you know and sure. um in a way that and again i know it's a function of money and and time and uh and, and skill set but like a lot of these these stores that you know still Uh, Or especially then, you know, again, like looked like check cashing places or or plaid pantries or whatever. Like, I don't think they were, you know, that was not uh, doing much for the helping bring civilians into the space. You know what I mean? So um, that's my two cents on sort of if the, you know, the importance of of brand design. And that's that's sort of the approach that we took, um, which was to attach ourselves to something to, again, to let people's eyes focus to this idea of, oh, I can go to a store and, you know. Yeah buy weed, didn't come in a tire. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But
1: I mean, I think you have to also think about who your audience is. And I think that a lot of cannabis places are trying to be everything to everyone. So that's why it's easy to have that more of like the green leaf or the green cross. Um, But I think that if you want to actually like focus on your audience and maybe it's seniors or maybe it's women, um, I think it's a lot easier to build a conceptual brand around that and think about what their needs are um, and how... You know, you're creating this product for those needs.
0: Do you feel like the, the, the? How do I put this? I don't. I don't. don't, I don't. This is going to come out wrong. Let's. Hold on. Do you think? How do you build a brand around women?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's great, interesting. That's, that's a it, great question. Is
0: is the. You know, I mean, I've had a member in here and we talked about sort of the whole, you know, women leadership in cannabis somewhat has been overblown mm-hmm. and is somewhat window yeah. dressing. And it's not as, you know, egalitarian um, as as the press might have you think. But in terms of, you know, like the BDS analytics says that, you know, the market share is, is this much women. It's, you know, almost dominated by women in some places. Like, how do you how do you build a brand around women? What would you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that. There's definitely been companies that have tried that. Some of them are backed by males making those decisions. So I think you definitely have to have women in the picture to make all of, you know, at least be a part of those brand <laughs> yeah. decisions, right? That's the first first. Strong agree with that. <laughs> um, and then I also think you just have to think about, I mean, there's a lot of people that put something in pink or, you know, have gold foil on it or something like that. And they think that that aesthetic will appeal to women. And it does. Um, but I think you actually have to think about what is the product you're making? Do women want to hide the form THC? factor? What's the, yeah. I mean the, the packaging form factor for mm-hmm. sure. But you know, is it like something that addresses, you know, period pain or something along those lines? Right. Or if you're an older female, like, you know, I mean, we've, we've worked with cannabis lubricant companies. Sure. I had um,
0: Trista Oakle in here last week. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. She's, yeah.
1: she's amazing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think you just have to think about what is the product, what is the packaging, what is the messaging um, and then how are you doing outreach as well and how are you communicating with those women and um, being an advocate for women's rights i mean there's there's so much that could go into it that I think people aren't doing enough of
0: what about things i mean if the if I think we can probably all stipulate that the default uh you know um people people default uh advertising branding towards white men you know like how can we get away from that it doesn't have to be um you know it doesn't have to be specifically you know women focused so you know you mentioned like a pink box but you know what are what are other you have you have any ideas you know about just sort of getting away from from the the somewhat of the toxic bro culture in cannabis
2: yeah so i'll i'll just address this and um Part of the reason I originally got in touch with Moria and sort of proposed this kind of partnership because our agencies do different things was that um, I saw competitors of ours that were going toward that were doing work for the the bros, so to speak and um, monster
0: energy drink looking yeah,
2: yeah yeah lots of that uh there still exists but and that's sure. certainly a demographic sure yeah of sure. course of course I, you know my snob my, my yeah. snobby side coming coming no it's fine bit. mine is too i'm yeah. gonna try not to let that out too yeah. much um but yeah i i think for when i approached moria it was okay i want something i want to work with somebody that has equal footing so that you know we can work on projects For brands that are, um, you know, women-owned companies um, as well as men-owned companies, I I I want that equality and to be able to do design that is maybe more feminine, um, at least website design. And we've uh, we've done a few projects together that are relatively feminine-leaning. Feel like you succeeded? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. (laughs) Um, So yeah, it's uh, you know, in the end. there are so many demogra- dem- different demographics that a brand could go after, and I think as as we move forward, um, you're going to see more brands going after very specific niches, like you talked about, Oragrown being this extreme sports. Yeah, I think
0: they do a great job. Yeah, well, they do. no, yeah.
2: absolutely. Uh, but what you might see is even nichier things than that, where brands are going after women, you know, own, or women that are into extreme sports, or you right. know, a very uh, specific age demographic, like 21 to 25. Um, so I, I think there will be some, um, yeah, specificity that, that comes into play.
0: Do you guys have any insight into sort of market demographics, uh, consumer market demographics? You know, I mean, it's always been somewhat of a black box to me due to all the sort of all due to all of the anonymity provisions that, you know, the OCC okay. affords everything. You know, there's no credit card re- transactions sure. you have to keep the you know there's no there's no real there's email signups in retail but i mean who signs up for who gives away their email you know what i mean like
2: yeah
0: it's always been it's a challenge you know more bds analytics which again yeah, for first. our listeners is a business intelligence firm that specializes in cannabis and it's a national group and they do great work but you know they it seems to me that they can tell you what people are buying but not who's buying
2: it um, right i y- mean do you
1: yeah i mean to some extent i mean obviously there's like a bunch of arcview market research things like that, but I don't think that there's a lot of consumer-driven research at the moment. Or yeah, data it's available. pretty
2: broad. Um, we're kind of data nerds over yeah. at, at Sherpa, so um, I've looked at at the demographics, you know, from state to state. Uh, there's a company that's similar to BDS called Headset IO. Yep. Talk to Um them. And you know, ultimately that that can help uh, companies make better choices. Uh, great, for instance, is uh, Vegas, uh, Las Vegas dispensary client of ours that, you know, their owners came to us and said, what are we doing wrong? You know, how can we better, you know, uh, assess who, who is our demographic? Right. Um, and, and ultimately, you know, just looking at overall demographic data for Las Vegas is that the majority of the people that go to Las Vegas are 21 to 35 year old males. It's like 65% of the You know, hundred thousand people that go to Vegas every day are, you know, twenty-one to thirty-five year old males. So um, you can you can kind of use other data along with what little data we have and make sort of uh, uh, yeah assumptions. Yeah, yeah, just assumptions. You you you'll never know if you're right until you know you see sales go up. But um, yeah, that's another important part is is the data side, not that and how that translates to design as well. Yeah, the person that cracks that um,
0: consumer data uh, issue is going to be a multi-billionaire, as far as I am concerned. (laughs) Um, All right, let's take a break there. Uh, You are listening to This is Cannabis on X-Ray FM. This is Cannabis is brought to you by The Open Cannabis Project, an independent nonprofit whose mission it is to build a transparent, open-source repository of cannabis data Thanks to nearly 80 years of prohibition, cannabis is suffering from a bad case of both misinformation and missing information. The Open Cannabis Project is on a mission to fill this information gap, creating an open data repository of anonymized cannabis chemical readings. These public records can help bring fairness and transparency to everything from intellectual property issues to lab result tolerances. Donate your data and help fill that information gap. Learn more at opencannabisproject.org. All right. And we are back. If you were just joining us, you are listening to This is Cannabis on X-Ray FM, the show that takes an insider look at the Oregon cannabis scene. Uh, My name is Lee Henderson and uh, my co-host Emma Chasen today sadly is sick, called in sick this morning. So we are hoping by this point that she is feeling better. Uh, My guests today are Maria Betts. Uh, the founder of Potency, an agency specializing in branding and packaging design for the cannabis industry, and Kirk Evans, co-founder and creative director of Sherpa, an agency specializing in web design, development, and SEO. Um, Thank you for staying with us. Of course. Uh, With me and us, the collective, the royal me. So... All right, for this second segment, I wanted to kind of open things up a little bit and discuss the role that cannabis plays um, kind of broadly in promoting creativity. Um, I want to stipulate right off the bat that I hope this doesn't turn into like a stony, you know, dorm room sort of nasal, (laughs) navel gazing (laughs) session. Uh, I'm off to a great start so far. But... It's an interesting topic, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm, again, I'm really sorry that Emma's not here for it because um, I really was, I was really interested to hear her thoughts on things, but so I'll start, you know, I've always contended like the, the, the basic premise of my company, Hi-Fi Farms was predicated on um, that sort of connection between cannabis and creativity and mm-hmm. specifically music. But really, you know, it, it was like just sort of art and culture and even comedy, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. film and all that stuff. And, and um And that was, that was, you know, sort of our, our messaging strategy and like, and frankly, like a firm belief, you know, Mm -hmm. of ours from, from literally from day one. Um, I still, that, I mean, I still believe that's true. You know, I have so many foundational memories of, of experiencing, uh music in my teenage years when I probably maybe shouldn't have been smoking cannabis for you children at home, but, uh, you know, uh, listening to music, listening to, and it's, I grew up in, in the early 1990s. I was a teenager, you know, it was like bands like Jane's addiction. And even I was a classic rock guy. So like Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and, yeah. you know, all those bands that are, that are so, you know, radiohead, you know what I mean? That are so sort of atmospheric and, and, uh, and can, and I, I think that there really is a, um, can be a big cannabis strategic cannabis use can benefit things like that, uh, and the enjoyment of music. And also, for what it's worth, can also um, I believe, or I guess, I, you know, another one of one of our like one of our sort, sort of strong foundations is that you know cannabis use has been this unseen force in culture. Historically, you know, yeah. the the I strongly believe that the Beatles wouldn't have written Sgt. Pepper's Lonely <laughs> Hearts Club Band and the Bob Clearly. Dylan wouldn't have written all those great early 60s, you know, everything from the freewheeling through, you know, uh, especially like the Blonde on Blonde Highway 61 period mm-hmm. without cannabis use. And then you can take that into the Beastie Boys' Paul's Boutique and Check Your Head and Dr. Dre, The Chronic. I mean, it's yeah. like... You know these, you know, and I think that lots of I would imagine that lots of poets and and famous authors like you know I would imagine Thomas Pinchon is someone who smoked a lot of weed, right, or whatever. You know, um, so that cannabis use has been this unseen force in culture because due to the the sort of um, differentiated thinking and creativity that it inspires. That's my postulate. What do we think about that? What do you guys What do you guys think about cannabis no, use no. and and you know and creativity? Um, go.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that at at least like in terms of design and art, I think that canvas is such a great way to focus on things. And I think, you know, in this busy world, like there are so many distractions. So just being able to do one thing and just focus on creating something and being able to give yourself that space, um, canvas can definitely give you that. And I think that's pretty awesome. Um, And also just be a source of inspiration and potentially, you know, find new experiences and things like that and experience things in a new way. And I think that that's always, you know, a good feeding of, uh, creative sources later on.
2: Yeah. And I would say for me, uh, you know, I've been a musician since I was 13. Um, and I feel like cannabis is a way to like flip your brain 180 degrees around and solve problems, uh, and maybe those are creative problems. Maybe, uh, you know, when I'm writing music, if I use cannabis, I, that might turn into something that it would have never turned into, right. uh, had I not. So, so I really think that it, it does influence and always has influenced my creativity. Um, you know, since I was started using uh, cannabis when I was 16. So, um, I, I think that on a daily basis, um, you know, as a, Creative agency, you know, building websites. Uh, our thinking can change. You know, when we're looking at a project, that's on a computer screen. Um, you know, that might not look like much without cannabis. But sometimes the the best ideas come and come out of uh, imbibing just a little little bit. Just a little the, bit. The just microdose. a microdose. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Um, we're strong proponents of
0: microdosing here on the show. Yeah, we don't have a dab bar. We do not have a dab bar. Yeah, Um, I find cannabis to be um, a great editor, and and by that, what I mean is that um, cannabis used, especially certain strains that have certain sort of you know terpene profiles, um, it makes my sort of analytical brain. Real sharp, you know, mm-hmm. and almost angry. My analytical brain almost gets sort of angry, um, which can sometimes tip over to like in your standard sort of like uh, cannabis-induced par- paranoia or anxiety. But but if you're focusing it on like I'm reading this this thing that I wrote, or yeah, I'm trying to make this song work, or you know, um, whatever I'm, I'm problem solving for something for a creative issue, um, I have found uh, oftentimes that it has really uh, helped me sort of um think about like you said think about things in a different way crystallize um you know the essence of what I'm trying to do and then it's you know I I can all right I need to take this out I need to take this out I can move this around you know um it's less it's almost been less inspiration I find it to be at least in my now I'm 41 I find it to be less inspirational and more sort of um a tool to help me get to the the heart of an issue whether that is and it's, i would say the same thing for issues in my personal life you know when i yeah. when i want to do some deep thinking on on an issue i'm having with work or whatever my family something whatever um microdosing a little bit of cannabis can can help me really sort of see it in a different way um and and, and oftentimes is sort of the fine oftentimes i find it sort of has the final say on whatever issue i'm dealing with that's my experience
2: yeah, certainly, and uh, I don't, I don't know about you, Moria, but I, I prefer uh, cannabis of the sativa variety. You, you mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, kind of getting uh, paranoid, and I know a lot of people get really paranoid when they smoke sativa, or uh, different people's body yeah. chemistries mm-hmm. make it yeah. do different yeah. things, right. and that's what's fascinating to me is, uh, you know, I, I just personally, that's what sets my brain in motion and gets mm-hmm. gears turning in ways that I wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't be turning otherwise. So uh, that's what's fascinating to me. I keep a little journal of of strains, you know, and, okay, well, this one was great. I solved all these problems. I did one of the best designs I've, you know, ever done on this. Um, And and I think it is strain to strain. It's really, that's what's fascinating to me is the way very individual terpenes and things of that nature can change the way your brain works.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think canvas has like the ability to just alter your mood as well right which i think get putting being able to put yourself in a different headspace i think can be really huge um in terms of being able to creatively problem solve and things like that so
0: yeah plus i play guitar you know and i like to that's it's a great way to sort of at this you know on the flip side it's also a great way to sort of Zen out a mm-hmm. little bit, you know what I mean? I don't meditate because I don't meditate, but you know I don't have the metabolism for that. But but my <laughs> only sort of uh, My uh, my only sort of my if I do meditate the only sort of thing I do this that's like meditating is is is
2: playing guitar um, Oftentimes under the influence of cannabis. Yeah, music is certainly meditation. Um, I mean my gosh, I I, I don't know it 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 is better than meditation for me at least. It, it that is my meditation, not listening to it so much as playing it. Um, I mean, I love listening to music, but I don't get much chance to do that these days. I've I'm focused on a computer screen, way too many hours a day. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, it's a funny misnomer about. About people who work in the cannabis industries that we're all smoking weed all the time. <laughs> I don't. I mean, yeah. I. It's, I mean, certainly that's true. But you know, at the same time, the, the 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 next part of that statement is that oh, and they're not, and they're on the couch. You know, doing, and that's that is not true. I, the cannabis industry is some of the most hardworking Hard, people hustling, I've ever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, and so that's sort of you know destigmatizing it as well. Going back to that conversation is you know again, yeah, everybody that I know that works in this industry works harder than anybody i've ever met yeah truthfully because we're all we all have individual goals but you know that we're part of this industry you have to you have to imbibe it and, and it's have, a hard industry to, have to, to be a it. part of you yeah, know for a lot of reasons no, yeah. um financially like.
0: regulatorily that's not a word but you know um and everything else so um all right well so yeah i mean it's again i i always will just contend that you know so many that cannabis has been this unseen force promoting creativity and also you know promoting um the that the fruits of that creativity on the other side of it, people enjoying that creativity um in ways that i feel like are only really truly being talked about now due to its now legal nature you know and i think that's really important i think that's an incredibly incredibly important thing to sort of recognize give credit to definitely i just downloaded that michael Pollan. Change Your Mind book about, and he talks about um, psychedelic use, not necessarily cannabis use. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to reading that. Have you, either of you guys read it? You know, no, don't know what I'm talking about?
1: I do, but yeah. I haven't read it yet. So it's um, very interesting. I do
2: not, but yeah, can we talk about psychedelics? Sure. Oh, okay. Let's do it. Well, let's absolutely talk about it. Okay, I I didn't know what the there was a gray area here, but um, I'm gonna get Will to pipe in
0: the Great Gig in the Sky by Pink Floyd while we're as a as a bed music bed while we're talking about this.
2: Perfect. Yeah, I mean, in the same regard as cannabis and changing creative minds, when I was younger, that uh, psychedelics specifically mushrooms were something that I really felt flipped my brain around made made me think about creative endeavors in a completely different way yeah and likewise uh, yeah same thing goes for you know you're talking about the beatles i mean let's let's be honest uh sergeant peppers wouldn't have happened without without it with was psychedelics. yeah uh, without acid. so yeah without acid so um <clears throat> when it cut con- i mean what it, what is the connection between th- Psilocybin. It's true. Rub-
0: rubber Soul probably wouldn't have happened without <laughs> cannabis, but Sgt. Pepper's was
2: completely acid <laughs> acid driven. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that, that was something that was always fascinating to me as well is when you're on psychedelics, how cannabis changes, you know, if you use them uh, together, how they change the brain, how they change the creative process. Um, yeah. that, that's always been fascinating to me. I don't know if Moria has anything to say about this.
1: I mean, yeah, I think that your
2: parents are gonna hear this. <laughs> I'm not telling my. No, mom. no, no. I mean, I think that we definitely
1: need to move forward in that direction. I think that Colorado. Yeah, they're is, about to
0: decriminalize mushrooms.
1: Yeah, which is incredible. Incredible. And I think yeah, that's that's definitely the first step. So, I think the more. Yeah, I mean, that studies happens.
0: are more and more showing. I mean, to bring you know, again, I haven't read the Michael Pollan book, but I've read about the. The Michael Pollan book, and then and then I've just read a lot of other things. There's a lot of information out there, more and more, um, about how you know everything from MDMA to LSD is can in, in microdose form can be anti, you know used for anti anxiety, can be used to to treat depression, uh, and a host of other things. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm sure some of that has to do with the sort of You know, either whether you want to call creativity that it fosters or whether just sort of when you get back to the idea of differentiated thinking and, and taking your your, you know, if you can open up a new neural pathway. I'm not a neuroscientist, but I know I've read a little bit about this stuff. And, you know, if you can open up a new neural pathway to sort of unlock whatever is, you know, in the mind of a depressed person and take it another way. Why wouldn't we do that? Yeah. Why wouldn't we do that? I have cheers to Colorado for doing that. I read read that mushroom thing, I think, like, even this morning or something. It was yesterday. It's it's pretty recent.
1: It's
2: pretty recent, yeah. Yeah, I think Oregon, has. there's been talks of that as well. Yeah, there is a group trying to do that as well. Uh, that's that's really interesting. There
0: was a psychedelic conference that was either was just here or is coming up that like I wanted to or would still like to cover for the show. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it happened. Yeah, I had it. a
2: friend that flew out here from New York for for it.
0: For yeah, that, I, it was know. a matter of timing. I just couldn't get it together to like get a mic pack and me and Emma go to the thing and interview people. But yeah, <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. I mean, I you know I'm very I'm very interested to see where. Um, psychedelic use goes now. and maybe
2: that's the next cannabis industry it's i feel like it the might, uh, psilocybin yeah industry i feel like it might be i mean i feel like it could be it could be right certainly that would be strange a, days guys very hard to destigmatize through i mean uh, really maybe i don't know i Was mean I,
0: yes and no i think that there's a better case necess- in, there's a there could be a better case for it because of its like I said, the way that they're, that you know, serious, you know, uh, people are using it to treat depression and uh, a host of uh, sort of okay. neurological maladies, right? Certainly. Um, or, you know, personality issues, you know what I mean? So um, we'll see. Depression is taking over this country. we got to do something <laughs> about it. Sure. All right. Finally, I would like to ask you guys, we always ask our guests at the end of the show how... Um, How you define quality cannabis.
1: Yeah. So I think, I mean, in Oregon, we're so lucky to have some of the most incredible flower grown here. And I think there's a lot of things that go into what makes quality cannabis, terpene profiles, the cure. Um, But I think we need to talk more about how things are grown. And I think that even beyond- What do you mean by that? um, I guess like, you know, what types of pest management are you using? Um, What goes into your soil? Um, you know, how things are cured, how things are trimmed. Um, and also, I think we also need to talk about when we're talking about quality canvas, beyond just flour is edibles and topicals and extracts. I so think that oftentimes gets overlooked. Like obviously there's clean clean green certifications for flour. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are the ingredients that we're putting into our edibles or how are things being extracted? So I think that that's something that we kind of need to think about is When you quality. say
0: when you say that about the edibles, do you mean like, you know, I don't know what the equivalent would be like yellow dye number five or
1: yeah, exactly. I know, mean corn like,
0: oil What's the what are the some yeah, of the what makes are.
1: a quality canvas product? I think is how things are made and what goes into it,
0: right? Because it a- might have been quality flour, but then if it's you know becomes junk food exactly That's like and there's good junk food and bad junk food, right?
1: Totally and I mean Oregon We're really lucky to have some amazing um, you know processors but I think in, if we look at other states, there's a lot of people still using the yellow dye number five, and I think people aren't aware of that. So maybe if they're aware of getting good flour, they're not actually thinking about getting good extracts or you know, other products. Right.
2: Yeah, and on that note, I mean, Oregon has uh, really strict testing. Uh, and I and just preface this, I don't know much about growing, mm-hmm. but I do know uh, when I can smell and see and taste a quality product, uh, whether that be flour or an edible, uh, which I don't do very often. But um, I think, you know, to some degree, the quality brands that are growing the best flour also, you know, since we're talking about design too, they're also the ones that are putting the time and effort and thought into what they're brand, if their brand being perceived as a quality product, which is so much on the front end of, you know, how a consumer sees, sees what is quality cannabis. So um, it's more than just the product itself. I mean, to some degree you could uh, brand yourself as a quality cannabis product and not be, but I I, I don't see much of that. I think I see more of the actual quality brands branding themselves as quality.
0: All right, let's leave it there. Okay. Moria Betts and Kirk Evans, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate you guys coming in. I think this was a great great talk. Thanks so much, Lee. Indeed. Um, You are listening to This is Cannabis on X-Ray FM, and we'll be right back.
1: This is Cannabis from X-Ray FM is available as a podcast through the Apple Music Store. Please rate and subscribe so that if you ever miss an episode live on the air, you can still keep up with us.
0: staying with us. You are listening to This Is Cannabis on X-Ray FM, the show that takes an insider look at the Oregon cannabis scene. My name is Lee Henderson, co-founder of Portland Craft Cannabis Company, Hi-Fi Farms. And again, my uh, beloved co-host Emma Chasen is off today due to sickness. Um, Now is the time when we make recommendations, and I will keep this brief because our conversation was, uh, I thought, a really, really good one, and uh, it went kind of long. So I just did want to alert excuse me, I did want to alert people to uh, an artist who's coming through town um, who is, you know, full disclosure a good friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, an old friend of mine, Uh, but I would be recommending her as a live act and I would recommend her records even if she wasn't. Uh, Her name is Lear Lynn She is playing at Mississippi Studios on Sunday, January 20th Uh, It's a 21 and over show and uh, it's general admission and fully seated uh, you can just—I desc- would really, really recommend checking her out on Spotify. She, um, you know, sort of gets pegged with the kind of alt-country uh, um, Americana uh, tag, but um, which is not untrue. But uh, she's much more than just that. Um, she's a really, really, really lovely uh, person. <laughs> you know, again, uh, she's an old friend of mine. But she's an incredible songwriter, an incredible singer, incredible guitar player. Uh, she's a very, very, very talented person uh, and I really couldn't recommend checking out her live show more again her name is Lear Lynn Mississippi Studios Sunday January 20th uh, it's a 21 and up show and it's fully seated so get there um, early for a good seat all right well that does it for this week's this is cannabis please remember to email questions comments and musical submissions to this is cannabis at x also please be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram our handle is at this is on x-ray this is Cannabis is engineered by Will Romy, and our theme music is the song Impossible Okay by Portland artist Motrick. Please be sure to check them out on Spotify. Wubba, 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 good night and good luck, and thanks so much for listening.